Well, good morning again. I'm glad everybody came out to join us this morning. He's so good. It's like sometimes I just don't want to stop just worshiping him just for the simple fact of he's beyond worthy of that. He's just, 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 we stand in awe of him. He's just so amazing. Well, Matthew 1, verses 18 to 21 says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Well, I'm glad he saved me of my sins, that's for sure. And we could talk about that every week, all day long, but... One of the things that I wanted to look at this morning as I do the next few weeks about Christmas is today I wanted to have a quick look at Joseph and what an amazing guy he was. He's not talked about in the Bible much, just this, kind of this section. And, and, and you know, he's, he's had a dream later on as well. And, and Mary's talked about a lot more. We don't see a lot of him. And so he gets really overlooked in his character just to some degree. And I just wanted to stop for a second and just have a quick look at Joseph. And uh, this dude was a pretty amazing guy. Now, we see right off here that Joseph did not want to make Mary a public example. Now, you think about that, okay? She comes back, and he has not heard from the angel of the Lord yet. She comes back, and she is with child. Now, never in the scriptures this ever happened before, so it's not like Joseph could go back and say, oh, this has happened. God, did you do this? It never has happened before, ever. And so for her to come with child, there was only one thing in his mind that could have happened is that while they were hanging out and betrothing, ready to get married, that she had gone and been with another man and got pregnant and came to him with now child from another man. Now you need to understand at that time, that coming out was horrific. I mean, it's not good to any guy now that would, that would happen to, but it was such a situation back then for his pride. Not only that, but even from a religious standpoint, Many people, would, you, you, could, you could make a public display of her. Sometimes it would use, lose your life over the situation. It was that detrimental. And so, like most guys would want to do, they would just want to make a public spectacle of her and probably be so angry at her. But here Joseph is, a girl had just come to him. He is convinced that she had already gone and slept with another man while they are getting, to, getting ready to be married. And what does it say Joseph did? It says, can we put that up again, what he did? Being a just man, then Joseph, halfway down there, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. And I just thought, man, here this whole Christmas story starts off that we don't talk about this part very much. But here we see God right off in someone's life. And here Joseph decided to put her away quietly, did not want to make a public spectacle of her. Now I look at him and I go, whoa, that is a nice guy. Because I guarantee you, 99 out of 100 guys would want to do the exact opposite. They would be completely choked, completely mad. How dare you do this? You betrayed me. You weren't faithful. Beyond, 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 beyond. And back then, when you were being betrothed, it's, you, you acted as if you were married. You would never consider a, a, another person at that time. 
And so most guys nowadays, guaranteed, would be super angry and want to make a spectacle of them. And so when I read this in the Christmas story, I just go, Trant, like, how does this relate to you? How is this applicable to you? And uh, man, I don't know if I'm that kind of guy, but I certainly want to be that kind of guy. And so it makes me think about our part to play in this earth when it comes to dealing with other people, when it comes to having the heart of God, and when it comes to division in the people around us. Now, Proverbs 6, 12 to 19 says this, a worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eye. He shuffles his feet. He points with his finger. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. So God tells us a worthless, wicked man speaks evil, sows discord. And it says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. So you got to think about it. Our creator says he hates six things in this particular scripture. And one of the top of the one of the, the top things out of everything he hates is sowing discord among the brethren. And so Joseph's a perfect example of what not to do. I mean, what to do if you don't want to sow discord among the brethren. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. And here it is that Joseph just put her away quietly because he didn't want her to be harmed, even when he thought it was her fault. He didn't want her to be harmed. And the Bible tells us, what does God hate the most? What are the six things he hates the most? And one of them is sowing discord among the brethren. And I think about myself and I just look back through the years and I think, boy, I've said things about people that I shouldn't have said. And I fit in God's top of his list about things that he hates. And I just sometimes have to meditate on the scripture because next time I do it, I want to hear that word come up in my, in my belly that says, I hate that. I hate that. I want it to be louder in my spirit. I hate that. The next time I go to speak negatively about something. You know, in the, in, the, in the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, it talks about a kingdom divided. It talks about a kingdom divided and a house divided against itself. It says that it will fall. And so when we're divided amongst each other, it will fall. If you have a divided house, it will fall. If you have a divided church, it will fall. If you have a divided workplace, it will fall. If you have divided friends, they will fall. It will fall. They can't do things well and do them strong if they're not in unity. And it's the enemy's tactic is to divide and to conquer. Because if he can divide people, he can conquer them. And so why does God hate discord so much? It, because it has the ability to destroy, even with our own, within our own households. Within our own households. Words and sowing discord and talking negatively towards other people or towards one another. It has the ability to destroy. And if the enemy can divide, can, can divide he can conquer. He can tear houses down. He can tear groups of people down. And these are things that I have to watch in my life so much more. God hates discord because it destroys. Proverbs 16, 28 says this. 
A perverse man shows strife, and a whisperer separates even the best of friends. Sowing discord and whispering something about somebody you know, whispering something in strife, sowing something negative about somebody to somebody else, the Bible says will even separate the best of friends. And I'm sure, you know, most of us in this room have lived long enough to where we've had relationships break down. And, and I know myself personally, you know, I've contributed to some of those. And when you look back, it's like, yeah, if, if you talk negatively about somebody for any reason or any length of time to somebody else, it can separate even the best of friends. And we see that. We see it separating marriages. We see it separating all sorts of things. It's because it feels like a, a betrayal. It destroys families, wrecks businesses, puts ministries in an uproar. You see, words are so important, the words that we speak. And the words that God uses in the scripture we're going to look at today, they all have this similar tone. And, and it all has to do with, with, well, I'll name some. Discord, strife, contentions, gossip, and envy are words that we've either looked at or are going to look at. And they all have a similar tone, and they all come back to God saying, I hate them. I hate them. You know, and so these are all words that when you read the scripture, they come through scripture in a very, very negative tone. And it's very clear that these words, that we are not to associate ourselves with these words. We're not to associate ourselves with the words discord. We're not to, to sow discord. We are not to have strife. We are not to bring contention. We are not to gossip, and we're not to envy. And these are things that we are not to associate ourselves with. Now, the first one we're going to look at is one who sows discord. Now, the definition of discord means a disagreement between persons, difference of opinions, or being out of harmony. So one who sows discord would be someone who shares something with somebody else that causes the receiving party to question the one being talked about. So let's just say you're in a party or whatever, you're hanging out with somebody, and you say something to the person you're talking to about somebody else that would cause this person to look at this person negatively. That's what the Bible says is sowing discord. So if we're in a conversation and I say something, and that person now looks at that person in a negative way, in regards to whatever we're talking about, we're sowing discord. And God's like, we need to distance ourselves from these words. Again, I got to look in the mirror. Like, it's, it's, these are things that are hard. We get ourselves in conversation and, you know, oftentimes, well, we just need to pray about the situation or I'm just mad and I need to vent. You know, we do that, right? But even when we're venting, we have to be careful to realize that these people are also God's children. And that not only did he shed his blood for us, but he shed his blood for the whole world. And the Bible says in the book of James that how can we bless God and curse man who's made in the image and likeness of God? How can we do it? He says it ought not to be so. He says it's like a water cistern that it comes out fresh water and dirty water. It's like you don't want to drink from it. And so I look at those pictures and I think, does that how God view us? It's like we're in worship and we're praising and all of a sudden we're the, you know, in the same breath, we're thinking or talking negatively about somebody and all of a sudden we're just this, that's what he sees, Right? You know, it's like in, the, in, in 1 Corinthians 13 when he talks about love, right? He says, you can cast out devils. He says, you can feed the poor. You can, you can feed the hungry. You can do all these amazing things. You can move mountains with your faith. But if you do it without love, the Bible says it's like a clanging symbol. And I often pause and I think about that because God uses imagery like that. And I just think, you know, here we are. We're like, Jesus, 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 worship. We love you, Jesus, all this kind of stuff. And then we do something out of love. And in the spirit, you know what that sounds like? And we're like feeling all holy about ourselves because, you know, we're, we're with God. 
But the fact is, every time we do something out of love, it's wrong. Like, do you realize when we get into these arguments, even about everything that's going on and scripturally, what should we do during these times and all that? And, and, and if we get into conversations to where we start getting mad at each other, it doesn't matter how right we are. If you walk outside of love, you're automatically wrong. So you could be right about everything. You could be right about everything you're talking about. The moment we step out of love, on the symbol, it's wrong. It's just, it's wrong. And so sometimes we have to step back and just, myself, I know, I have to step back and just be like, ah, what does it mean to walk in love, God? What does it mean? I need to be better at this. And so one or so discord among the brethren causes somebody else, the receiving body, to question the one they're being talked about. And so God uses words of like gossip in this situation. Do you realize most things that we talk, to, talk about don't need to be talked about? They don't. And isn't it funny how the things that are so juicy are the ones that we want to talk about? The things that are juicy, the things that have some like negativity to them or someone like did something really stupid. It's like these are the ones that are hard to keep down. And it's because our flesh wants to share that stuff because our flesh has fallen and it's, you know, the enemy's prompting us to do that. But we don't need to be gossip. That's why in the book of James, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I think we could solve most of our problems with that one scripture, especially marital problems. Can you imagine being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry? That would like solve so much. Just imagine, oh, there's an uproar. And you're like, no, I'm going to be quick to listen. I want to hear the other person's side of the story. I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm not going to get angry. Can you imagine that, how that comes out? Dude, I blew that like five, six, seven times this week, probably. It's just not a natural reaction, but it's a godly reaction. And so we need to be careful of our lips. We need to be careful of what we say. Being negative, being negative. Rebellious attitudes. And it doesn't even have to be something major. But you have to ask yourself, does it weaken or strengthen the person you're talking about or talking to? Does it weaken or strengthen them? I just want to take a week and just practice that. Just be like, I'm going to talk good about everybody. Just, just try. And like, I know it's not practical always to do it your whole week, but this is something that God wants us to do. Can we just take a week and talk good about everybody? And there's people that rub you wrong. I know that. There's people that rub me wrong. But let's just try to do that. But what we need to realize is that what we put into motion, words, they're seeds and they build and they, 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 they don't build, they divide. And we have a choice to either sow words that build or, or sow words that divide. James 3.13 to 17 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are being done in meekness and wisdom. But if you have bitter envy, Self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom of God does not descend from above. This wisdom of God does not ascend from above, but is earthly, is sensual, and is demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. So when we sow something negative, it says that this wisdom is not from above. It's, it's actually evil and demonic. 
And so I think about how many times are there like, I wish I could see in the spirit, you know, like there's like a percentage of evil and, and you know, this is from God and this is from the enemy, right? And as we're talking and there would be like this meter, I wish I could see that, right? I could push it one way. But I think about how many times do we call something just to pray for a situation and completely badmouth the person that we're asking prayer about the situation about. Not about that person, but please pray for me because of this, 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 and this, and this. And we totally downgrade somebody else in the process. And we're like, think we're being holy because we're asking for prayer. And meanwhile, we're walking in the wrong spirit. And like I said, it's not easy, but it's something that we're asked to do. It's something that we're asked to do. Why? Because we're powerful entities upon the earth. We can bring division. We can build. We can make things great. We can bring life, the Bible says, or we can bring death to a situation. And it's very interesting that most of the time the scripture talks about Jesus being harsh is when people don't have grace for other people's shortcomings. That's when you see Jesus flip out in the Bible. It's when you see it happen. It's always with the lawmakers and the Pharisees. They're acting like they do everything so right. And they're like abiding by the law and they're doing everything perfect. And they're living these holy lives. And then they point at other people. And that's when Jesus is like, don't make me do it. Don't make me show everybody what's under the carpet in your life and behind the doors in your life. Don't make me do it. And I've said it probably a hundred times over the years, but if that video screen right now, if there was a way for me to put every bad thought up on that video screen right now of every person in here, there's not one person who'd be left in this building did run for the door, right? And so we really don't have a right because when we start gossiping or sowing negative seed about somebody else, we're the ones guilty as well, Right? And so we just need to be careful of our mouths. So envy and strife, confusion and every evil things among us. So let's just look at the word envy. The word envy means zealous, fierce desire to promote one's own ideas or convictions. And so watching our mouths again, it's usually in the setting where we don't have an authority to do so. So envy means we just want to push and promote our own ideas. Strife, let me define that. It's often translated party spirit or political spirit. Let's just stop there because this is our world right now. It is so divided politically. And the Bible says that the word strife is translated party spirit. And so what does that mean? It means that you will answer according to the narrative, regardless of the truth. And so when we have a party spirit, you know, we, and, and, and everybody's pushed in this, in this time right now to a certain degree. We discussed it a couple weeks ago where I watched that interview with the guy who did the uh, Facebook show, The uh, Social Dilemma. And he said that, that social media has become unbelievable, that it no, longer just, it no longer just predicts action, it provokes action. And he says that they've, they've designed it now to where they can polarize extremely. And the reason they do it a lot of time is, is for two reasons, for money, because if they can keep you emotionally heightened, you'll like buy stuff. Because a lot of people just buy when they're like, it's like a fix, it's a drug, right? And so when they keep people emotionally heightened, but not only that, it says that it's, it, if you can keep people polarized, that it implodes democracy and the elites can make a farther gap between them and us. And so it's, it's all motive. It's crazy. And so we think that we're so like raw, 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 but, but a lot of times it's not even our own opinion. We've been forced down this social media feed, pushed off to one side, and we've become a party spirit. We've become these people that just walk around and promote strife. It's like somebody will be talking about something, and because like, it's real bad right now, it's like so polarized, you'll hear a conversation, and you just want to get in it to get your, your opinion across, right? Whether it's to do with COVID protocols or whether it's to do with 
And, and, and you know it's true when we're Canadians and we're more concerned about Republicans and Democrats in the United States than up here. You know we've been walked down a road, right? We know more about that. And so, but the Bible says that that party spirit is what the Bible calls strife. And it means that we just want to, boom, give our opinion to help the narrative regardless if it's even true. That's why what's going on right now, there's this whole middle ground that we all should be kind of researching. And it's so difficult to get to because we all, we all want to fight our point on the other side, make it so extreme on one side or the other. And we need to go and find the truth. And the Bible says that the wisdom that we're walking in is not from above. It's demonic. It's demonic. So we're pushing narratives demonically. We're doing all this stuff, trying to get our point across demonically. And the Bible says that the wisdom from above, can you can go back to that? I forget even what scripture that was. And then I'm, I'm not going to be much longer, but I, I want to park here just for a second. For where envy and strife and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, and willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Leave that there. And I'm going to end on this. And I got more to go, but I just want us to stop here so that we can take something away today. So where there's envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above, now let's just stop here. In our conversations moving forward this week, if we want to walk in the wisdom of God, this is what it looks like. It's pure. It's peaceable. Hey, no, 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 no. Listen to me. That's not peaceable, right? It's gentle. <laughs> There's not been a bunch of gentle folks around these days. Has there been? No, it's just like rah, 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 rah. And both, both. And it's funny because we can say both sides now because there's hardly anybody coming up the middle these days. And so pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield. That's a toughie. When you're like in a party spirit, no, you just want to win to get the narrative across. And I think we need to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to anger. So willing to yield. I could use a little bit of that. Can anybody use a little bit of that, being willing to yield? And you know what? It's okay to yield. It's like, you know what? God's got us. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like God allows us to explore. God allows us to seek truth. God allows us to go down little different paths to try to find the truth and, and be able to listen to somebody else's opinion. And I think that's okay. Willing to yield our tempers, our, our, our voice, willing to yield, being full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That has become almost an impossible conversation these days. Have you ever seen many of these conversations these days that are peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy? It's almost non-existent. I'm like, Lord, help us talk like this. Help us have conversation like this. God, help us to speak like this. Help us to speak like this where we can be peaceable and we can be gentle and we can just look for the truth and we can look for God in these situations and just quit being such jackasses and we're all doing it. Me probably at the top of the list. And I'm like, Lord, because God's not scared of all this stuff. God saw this coming before he created the earth. And do you realize that the church across the board, not this one, across the board should have unity. Yet when you look at that, you think it's impossible because we all have these different opinions, but we can because there is something we can unify on. That Jesus pays the price for sin. 
that Jesus will forgive all your sins, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the life, that no one goes to the Father but through him, that he's the one that is leading and guiding us into all truth, that we're all missing it. He's the only one that has the perfect answer to all these situations and all these questions. And so we can all unify around that fact saying like, holy smoke, this is a mess. But Jesus, Jesus, I tell you, God's been just working me over lately. I've been looking in the scripture, Luke 14. I was discussing it with my boy lately about, you know, just about being humble. And it talks about when you go into a meeting, don't sit at the front row. Yes, let someone more important come and they call you out of there. It says, but go sit at the back. And then if you're called forward, it's like, this is how I want to be with Christ. It's like, God, I don't want to insinuate anything, but God, lead me and guide me into where we're going. Lead me and guide me into where we're going. And then I was even thinking about Christmas with this Luke 14 scripture. It went on to say, it's like, okay, even when you have this big meal, don't invite all your friends and relatives because you're just going to cause this thing. But go and invite people that don't know how to repay you because you'll be repaid in the kingdom of God. And I know we can put it right down to a meal, but I was just thinking about our lives like that. Like living our lives like that. All right, so it's a good time to end. Here's what we can end on. And I know sometimes I just get sidetracked and things, my, what's going on in me just comes out. But I'm thinking if we can take this away today. Let's just take this away today. Joseph had an opportunity to be really mean to somebody. And in his own head, and probably all the law around him, he had a right to be mean to somebody. That's the first point we take away. We have all sorts of opportunity to be really mean to people. But let's just be really nice to people. Let's just bless people. Let's take these Christmas holidays and really just turn our mindset and bless people. Let's walk around in humility. Let's not try to get into every topic about every situation on everybody's view on COVID and everybody's view on how it should be done and all this stuff. Let's just move away from the topic and speak life into somebody's life. Just, just not talking about it. I've been doing that the last little while. I'm like, I'll, I'll just start to leave rooms. At the, and it comes up all the time. And I'm like, you'd be amazed on just, if we could just stay away from it for a little while and just bring to the center goodness and God and, 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 and doing things and talking about him outside of this because he's outside of this. He's a God that stands outside of time. He's a God that stands outside of circumstance. He's the creator, the author, and the finisher of this. And when he decides, when he decides, this whole thing's going to be wrapped up and everything, every name is going to be subject to him. And we get so caught up in the moment rather than thinking eternally. And I'm like, Lord, help us. Help me think eternally. Help me look at this situation that I may be irritated with mad or mad right now and help me just, God, help me go past this moment to where I could turn the situation so it would be good for you. So I could redeem this moment. I could redeem the time for the kingdom of God. And it's something that's constant. But it's something that we're asked to do, to be spokesmen for the kingdom of God. Ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And I got to tell you, most of the conversations I've been getting in lately, I'm not sure that Jesus would start those conversations or be involved in them. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your long suffering. We thank you for your gentleness. We thank you for it all. We ask that we could extend it to the people around us. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Amen.